Good morning. Thank you, worship team. Uh, I don't know if anyone else felt like the sermon this morning was Noel saying, I like to hold on to things because if I have the control, then I, I'm okay. And if I release it to God, then suddenly I don't have control. I was like, amen, I'm ready to go home. Like, I needed that word this morning. So, thank you. Um, if I haven't met you, I'm Amy. I'm a pastor here at Ashworth, and I'm so glad uh, to be here this morning and to get to share with you this morning. Um, and I have a question for you as we begin. What are you seeking? What are you looking for? This is not like, you know, a small, how's it going question. What are you seeking? What are you looking for in this season of your life? Is there something you're seeking, you're longing for? We just sang about it. I'll, I will, um, Jesus, I'm, I'm seeking after you. What are you seeking? Well, I'm gonna wrap up our series here in the hot seat with questions that God asks us. And the question this morning that I'm gonna wrestle with and have been all week is, what are you seeking? What is it that you're looking for? So I'm gonna jump into this passage of scripture where this question comes from. It's in the Gospel of John, and um, at the very beginning of John, John is testifying to who God is, and we see John the Baptist um, has been preparing the way for Jesus and telling all of his followers about Jesus and saying he's coming, he's gonna come, the Messiah is coming. Get ready. And then here's where we jump in. John 1, 29 to 43. It says, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after, he, after me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the spirit descend and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and testified that this is the son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, look, here he is, there's a lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, what are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two heard John speak and followed him uh, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus who looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You're to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and he said to him, follow me. What are you looking for? 
Or other translations say, what are you seeking? What is it that you seek? Or the, my, my KJV background, what seek ye? <laughs> this is the question that we're wrestling with this morning. And the question I was wrestling with, you can ask Matthew around the house all week. I'm like, what do you think he meant by this? What, and what am I seeking? Um, and I love this question and I love this passage. Um, as we enter this scene, I said John the Baptist has been telling these guys, he's had his own followers who were following him as they waited for the Messiah. And he's saying to them, the Messiah is coming. He's coming, you know, and prepare for him. And then there's this moment where they see Jesus um, for the first time and, he sa- and Jesus comes and he tells them, there he is, this is the guy I've been telling you about. And these two disciples of John the Baptist quite literally become followers of Jesus, right? They start following him. And Jesus feels them following him around. And so he turns around and he says, what are you looking for? What are you seeking? And I laugh because I thought, wow, if someone was following me around, if I was Jesus, um, and I felt someone creeping up behind me, I would not turn around and be like, what are you looking for? What are you seeking? You know, I would be like, excuse me, can you back up? You know, or in, I- in Iowa, you know, we always say, oh, oh, okay, oh, get out of my way. Oh, you know, do you guys say that? You don't say that? Oh, what is that? That's an Iowa thing we say when we're like, when somebody's in our way in the grocery store, oh, oh, I would have probably said that. Oh, oh, you're in my way, you know? Uh, or maybe I would have said, um, please stop following me or what are you doing? You know, it's kind of creepy. But Jesus says, what are you seeking? What are you looking for? So what is this question about? Why did he ask them this question? He's not asking, this is not like an information question, you know, this is not what did you eat for breakfast? This is not what is your name? This is a question that's much deeper than that. He's not seeking information, right? He's not saying, where are you from? That might've been a more reasonable question. Hi, what's your name? Where are you from? he asked this deep kind of heart and soul question. And in this uh, chapter of John, what we find out as the passage goes on is that Jesus is looking for his disciples. He's looking for people who will follow him with their whole lives, who will learn from him, and who will help establish the kingdom of God on earth with him. And so for me, I also think, well, maybe he should be looking for some information, you know? Why, this should be like an interview for these guys. Um, tell me about, you know, maybe I would have asked like, what has your religious life looked like so far? You know, what are your top five strengths on Clifton Strengths Finder? You know, I, I would have probably thought of it more as an interview. But no, he doesn't ask for information. He's not asking for uh, uh, skills or what they're about or what they can do. He is asking them, what are you seeking? What are you looking for? This sole kind of question. Another thing I thought about is that he's asking um, because he wants to know, but there's a way that Jesus already knows, right? So a few chapters down, Jesus calls Nathaniel to be um, a disciple and a follower of Jesus. And in that story, when he sees Nathaniel, he says, Nathaniel, I saw you under a fig tree. And he tells him something about himself that Nathaniel didn't know that Jesus would know. So what we know from that is that Jesus already knows. Jesus probably already knows what these men are seeking. But there's a way that he asks this question. And I, as I was thinking about our series and all the different questions from the last few weeks, I, I had this thought that 
It seems like almost every week, and including this, the question this week, Jesus asks questions not because he doesn't know something, but because we don't know something. And he asks as a way of like, would you reflect? You know, would you do some self-reflection? And so here he's doing that. He's like, reflect. He's giving them an opportunity to look inward, saying, what are you seeking? What are you looking for in following me? And I think he also asked the question because at this point, many, he knows that many people who will follow Jesus will follow him because they want something. They're expecting something. Uh, they want a healing or they want a miracle or they want something fixed, right? As you see, if you, if you read on in John and all the gospels, uh, there's always these crowds around Jesus and there are people who are genuinely interested and curious and seeking. There are also religious people who just want to c- catch him in a lie, you know? And then there's also people who are just there for the hype. That would Honestly, that'd probably be me if I was that. Like, I want to see what's going on. I don't want to miss out, you know? But then also, I want, I want something. I want a miracle. I want a thing, you know? Fix me. And especially if you think about the context. I mean, this is an occupied Israel. These folks are oppressed and weary. They've been waiting for a long time, looking for a rescuer. Though they would have been looking for this kind of mighty political Messiah who was gonna come and bring healing and prosperity and material wealth and comfort. That's what they were longing for. There were so many people who wanted something from Jesus. They weren't seeking him, but they were seeking what he had or something that he could give. And it made me think of just a few chapters after this in John 6 is the feeding of the 5,000, which might be a familiar story to you where Jesus and his disciples feed literally 5,000 people and they, from just a little small lunch and it multiplies and they feed all these people. And uh, we see this incredible miracle and it gives insight into who Jesus is. Like, oh, he, it's clear that there's something different about him. He just fed 5,000 people and multiplied uh, the fish and the loaves. And so there's some clarity again there of who Jesus is. And what happens is after this meal happens, after he feeds these 5,000 people, it says the next day he got up and went on to a different town and these people followed him. And they were following him. And he says to them, you're not following me because you're actually seeking me. You're following me because I filled your belly and you want something else. You want your fill. It says in John 6, 26, 27, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give to you. Jesus, you can feel Jesus like frustration. Like, no, you don't get it. Like, I'm, yes, I want to feed you physically. I want to meet your needs. Excuse me. Let me grab my water, sorry. I do have an Ashworth water bottle here. Cute, you can see it. Um, I get a frog in my throat. Um, But he is clearly, he wants to meet you know, obviously their physical needs, but he's trying to reveal who he is. And that's what the Gospel of John is all about. It's revealing who Jesus is. And so he wants to reveal to these people, I am the Messiah. I am the one you seek. I am the one who will give you all things. You should follow me. But he's like, you're not following me because of that. You're following me because you want something from me. And in that passage, then Jesus says, don't seek those things, those earthly things. Seek the spiritual things. Seek eternal things that are more than just these fleeting things. And I can tell you this week as I was reading it, I'm like, yeah, 
I can't believe that they saw that miracle and then they were just like so ignorant, you know? And then I'm like, actually, I do the same thing. Right? Don't you feel that? If I'm honest, there are so many times I catch myself where I'm like, wow, I am not seeking Jesus for my deep friendship and care and relationship and walking with him. I am seeking Jesus in this moment or this season because I need this, because I'm stressed and I need peace, because I, you know, and there's a way that it's like, I actually am like trying to pursue him because I want something from him rather than seeking him, right? And so he's asking these guys, what seek ye? What are you seeking? What are you looking for? Do you want me or do you want something from me? I think about, uh, even in Matthew, it talks about um, seek first the kingdom of God, right? Don't think about what you're gonna eat or what you need. Don't think about all those like needs that you have. Think about seeking first, think about the kingdom first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and these things will be added to you. And I think my point here and what I kept noticing this week in the scripture is Jesus is not transactional. And that's often how we relate to him. Because that's how a lot of our, honestly, that's a lot of our life and our relationships, right? Our work relationships, even if we're honest, in our marriages, you know, with our kids, something is transactional, right? If you do this, I'll do this for you. If you do this, you'll get paid. You know, if you're, a, if you're well-behaved, you get a toy. If you follow me, you're healthy and happy forever, right? And so there's a way that we want to relate to Jesus in that way. We want to do like, Jesus, I will do this. I will uh, be this way, um, and I will get something from you. And so he's checking their motives. He's saying, what are you seeking? What are you looking for? Is it a fix for you? Is it prosperity? Is it healing? And I do, don't hear, don't hear me wrong. I do believe that Jesus longs to give us health. And ho- you hear me talk about this all the time and redemption and restoration and healing. He wants to give us all these good gifts, but it's not as a transaction. It's not because you've done this or because you're following me. It's because he loves you. His way of, of, re- of, of giving you things is relating to you, right? We don't receive from Jesus through transaction, but re- through relationship with him. Jesus relates by saying, come and see. Come and see. Come and follow me. There's a, the word there is actually closer to accompany. Come and accompany me. Accompany me. Come with me. Be with me while I'm doing this. And so we follow Jesus, and that's how he wants to meet our needs, as we follow him, not because we seek him to have a need met, but because we're in relationship with him, and we follow him. There's an um, author, and a sociologist who I really like, she, uh, her name is Brené Brown, and just over recent years has kind of come back to her faith in God, and she was talking about um, an, art, an article that she wrote. Um, uh, she said that for years she thought of God as an epidural, and she was always disappointed. Um, and then she said she realized that actually God is a midwife, you know? And so this idea of um, the epidural being the thing that takes away the pain, and it kind of, it's like this cure. I mean, not always, just saying. But, it, you know, there's this way that it takes away maybe the harshness of the pain, uh, that sting of pain, um, 
But she's like, she said, no, actually what I'm realizing as I get to know God more and more is that he is not an epidural. He doesn't just come on the scene and enter relationship with you and suddenly all this pain is removed and things are, are easy going. But instead he is a midwife. He is with us in our pain, right? He's coaching us. He's saying, you can do this. He's saying, I love you. You got this. He's our, our, our cheerleader, our midwife who helps us through the midst of the most painful times. And actually I... Matthew and I were saying this week, like, I kind of like that better. Like, I trust that more, you know? Like, he wants to be with me because, uh, and I, and I want to be with him. It's not about getting this simple fix from him or this freedom from pain from him. It's about being with him and having relationship with him. So Jesus asked then, what do you seek? And how do they respond? Well, I love their response because they don't really answer directly. They respond with a question. They say, Rabbi, where are you staying? So what's in this response? What is in their answer to Jesus or their question to Jesus? Well, first, um, I think it's clear that uh, they called him Rabbi. So they had some understanding. I think they were believing John the Baptist. They must have been actually really believing like, oh, this could be the Messiah. This really could be him. He's a rabbi. He's a teacher. We have... Uh, authority, there's authority that he has and we respect him. So clearly there's something that they believe about who Jesus is and it's clear they wanna learn from him, right? They're like, where are you staying? Like, can we come hang out with you? Um, where are you staying? But I, I mulled over this question so much this week of why did they ask where he was staying? You know, if they have this moment with Jesus, they wanna learn from him, why are they asking him where are you staying? And I don't know, but I thought of a few I thought of a few options. One of them is that I thought maybe they would have wanted to see where they were gonna live, right? So in the culture, um, young Jewish men who would follow a rabbi would end up living with them and they would follow them with their whole lives. It was like a 24 seven deal, right? So they might be like, we wanna check out your digs. You know, we wanna see where you live. You know, we wanna, we wanna go see what the situation is. And you know, I mean, obviously, that can't be fully right because clearly they're not like looking for a floor plan, like, okay, is there room, you know? I think it's more likely that they want to know what he's about. If we're gonna follow you, if we are gonna live with you, if we're gonna, you know, be 24 seven in life with you and following you, we wanna know who you are. We wanna know your heart. We wanna know what you're about. So tell us where you stay and we can come stay with you and we can come see you. But I think that's funny because um, I thought of the, the passage of scripture um, in Luke 9 where Jesus says, I don't have a home. Um, in fact, it's somebody who is wanting to follow Jesus um, and he says to Jesus, it's just uh, in Luke 9, 57, it says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. It's this like, wow, that's like some incredible commitment. And then Jesus says to him, foxes have holes, Birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And it's interesting that they're asking, where do you stay? I'm like, Jesus doesn't have a place to stay. That's not how he is, right? He literally doesn't have a place to stay. He crashes with different people and families along the way as he's doing ministry. He doesn't have a house. He doesn't have a base. He's traveling all around. And I wonder, I just wondered, and I don't know if this is true, but just as reading and analyzing, trying to understand and, um, this scripture, I wonder even if John the, the Baptist's followers 
might have already been tired, right? They were following John around the wilderness. John was going out through the wilderness saying, come, follow me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce you to Jesus. You know, repent and believe Jesus is coming. Um, and they would have already been kind of maybe tired and weary um, from their time with him. Um, you know, I'm like, they probably would have been eating grasshoppers and honey and looking for like, okay, I'm looking for like something that's a little more stable, you know, something comfortable. I want to find a rabbi and I want to sit at his house and I want to just talk to him, you know. Um, but we know, like Jesus said to that follower, I don't have a place to lay my head. Following Jesus does not mean comfort and safety, And regardless of what they needed, I don't know what it is, but you get a sense that they wanted to know this Jesus and learn from him. So how does Jesus respond? Instead of saying, well, here's where I stay, or I don't have a place, but I'm crashing with this family along my journey, you know, you you can um, see it. He says, come. He gives them an invitation. Come and see. He doesn't give them this answer. He says, come with me. Accompany me. Come and see. Come with me and you'll see what I'm about and what my kingdom is about. And so they go. And they travel off and they follow Jesus on foot to his place where he's staying. See what I'm talking about? I feel like there's, a, there's movement here. There's the like word of staying where they're like, where are you staying? And what does Jesus say? Come and see and then follow me. There's these like, uh, the disciples desire to, to find a place to stay um, and even maybe stay like, you know, just in their comfort, and there's a way that Jesus is saying, go, come, walk, follow me, you know, leave your things, come and see. And do you know that sometimes seeking God involves movement? It involves discomfort, and it involves cost. I was thinking um, about years ago when I first kind of started following Jesus again as an adult. I was in college, and I had this group of friends And it was a lot of guys, and so I think that's probably why I hung out for a while, looking around to see who was in that group. You know, maybe there was a a mate for me. But they would would get together and seek God. That's what they would say. We're going to seek God. And I was like, okay, well, I really love Jesus, and I want to do that, you know. So I would go with them, and we would seek God together. (laughs) We would go to somebody's house or somebody's apartment off campus, and we would sit in their living room, and we would, like, read a scripture and kind of analyze it and we would like pray and we'd talk for a long time. And I remember being kind of bored sometimes when I was like, this is what, this is what serious, if I'm gonna be serious about Jesus, this is what we do, we seek God, you know? And so I was seeking God with them. And I remember after a while of doing this, I said to them like, um, when, it, when are we gonna go do stuff? Like, so when do we leave, you know? When do we go and meet other people and go and do things on campus or in our city? Like, when are we gonna do things? And I learned in that moment and have continued to learn in ministry over the years that discipleship and following Jesus and seeking Jesus cannot just happen in a room, in a coffee shop, reading your Bible forever. And we think that's seeking God. And there are, those, are, those are necessary things. Please do that. But that cannot be the only thing. And I know, I've, I've talked to people here and other places where it's like, I just can't hear from God. I just need to do another Bible study. You know, I need to like, I need more. No, maybe, there's t- maybe it's time for movement. 
you know, come and see. Those are active words. The disciples are asking this question about where can I stay? Where do you stay? And Jesus is like, I don't stay. You know, um, it is, it's a, a journey with me. Come and follow me. Come and see. Jesus' invitation to come and see is an invitation to action. We can't just seek God with our minds, but with our feet too. He invites us to come and see, to come and follow. A couple weeks ago, um, Keegan and I got to study Ephesians 2 with a bunch of um, InterVarsity students at Drake, and uh, it was so fun. They loved studying this passage. It was a passage about the the, um, dividing wall of hostility and how God came to reconcile people to himself, but not just to himself, to each other. And it's, it's a, a addressing kind of ethnicity and race and Jews and Gentiles and that dividing wall that needs to be broken down. And we studied that passage and it was fun. Students asked great questions and we dove into it and we wondered about what was going on at the time and we learned the historical context and we really were moved by that scripture. And you know what we did the next morning? We left and we went and we took furniture to a new Afghan refugee family in the city who needed furniture. And we used our bodies and we hauled that furniture out and we hauled it in and we picked up their kids and ran around with them and we didn't share the same language. You know, we had to have Google Translate and uh, we shared a couple drinks and a couple uh, exchanges and we had, you know, kids running around. It was just this, it was this interactive, beautiful thing. We gave them some furniture. They gave us a lot of love and care and energy, monster energy drinks. <laughs> and... Um, and we had this moment where it was like, and, and it was, students knew it. We were looking at each other and everybody knows. It's like, this is actually a picture of Ephesians 2. This is a picture of a dividing wall of hostility that would keep, you know, Afghan Muslims from white evangelical Christians from the Midwest away from each other. Instead, in that moment, we were living it out. We, we followed Jesus to that home. He was already there with those folks, loves them. And so we got to see where he's at work. He said, come and see. And we went and saw. You can't just sit. You can't just study. Seeking God cannot just be learning with our minds. I think about even in a week, we're going to celebrate Easter, celebrate the resurrection. What did the disciples do after the resurrection and Jesus goes to heaven? They stayed, right? They huddled in the upper room. They've got fear. They're like, we need to just wait, sit and wait. And they huddled together. And it's Jesus, it takes Jesus coming back to send them out. It takes the Holy Spirit to be like, go. What are you doing? Don't sit here with this. Go. Follow Jesus into new places. Come and see. So back to the interaction between Andrew and Jesus. We really don't know what happened uh, that day as they followed Jesus. Um, as they said yes to come and see, but what we do know is that it was profound. And we know that it was profound because it's just one afternoon that he spent with Jesus. I don't know what they did, but when he left, Andrew said, Simon, he goes immediately and he finds his brother. And and he says, Simon, I found the Messiah. And then these guys become Jesus' first disciples, followed next by Philip and Nathaniel and on and on. And each of these disciples chooses to leave family businesses, the comfort of what they know, because they were seeking after something more. They were spiritually hungry. And when they got an invitation to come and see, they were all in. This is the story of Jesus calling his first disciples, saying, what do you seek? What are you looking for? Come and see. And that's what conversion looks like to me. 
So often we've had, it's this moment, it's this decision, it's this prayer you pray, it's this, you know, it it fits in this box. It's like, no, Jesus says, no matter where you are, whether you believe me fully or not, or whether you understand me fully or not, come and see. Would you come and see? And as you come and see and you follow Jesus, you know, you begin to know him and, and he knows you. So what are you seeking? What are you looking for? Jesus this morning, I think, is letting us know. He wants to know our hearts and our souls. And there's lots of things that we can seek, lots of things that we're seeking, right? I think about in my house right now, I'm seeking health. I'm trying to kick my sugar addiction. That's a lot of work. It is, uh, it's a lot of challenge, right? It requires me moving. It requires movement. It requires change. Matthew is seeking a new career, and it's required a lot from him. It requires a lot of late nights, a lot of studying, a lot of working muscles that he hadn't worked before. A lot of us are seeking abstract, kind of intangibles too, right? I feel like I'm forever seeking balance. Is that even a thing? You know, seeking peace. Maybe you're seeking rest. Maybe you're seeking joy. It's been a long time since you've had joy. Maybe it's satisfaction or contentment or maybe it's a relationship. You've been longing for love. I don't know what you're seeking this morning, but I think the, the, the message I felt from Jesus in his question this week is instead of us focusing all of our energy on seeking this thing, maybe something we could get from Jesus or having our bellies filled like the, the folks who were fed at the feeding of the 5,000, you seek Jesus and you seek him, not the things that he can offer you, but you seek him, you long for him, deep connection and friendship with him, to walk with him and do life with him. And in doing so, those things come. Come and see. So I wanna give you just a moment this morning before the worship team comes up and we close to reflect. I want you to use your imagination. So where you're sitting, if you close your eyes, Just imagine yourself in Andrew's place. Imagine that you're Andrew. John the Baptist has been telling you all about Jesus. Try and remove all the stuff that you already know. Just put yourself in this spot. You're Andrew and you've heard about Jesus. You've been hearing about him. And then John the Baptist says to you, oh look, there he is, there he is, there he is. And you go walking after him. And he turns around And he says, what are you looking for? What are you seeking? And just right where you are, in the silence and the quiet, tell him, what is it that you seek? Is it him? Is it, I don't know what it is. What is it that you seek? I'm gonna give you a moment just to think about that. So this morning, Jesus asks us that question and then his invitation is for us to come and see. And maybe you're like, ah, Amy, I've already done that. Been following Jesus a long time. But maybe this morning is just a fresh invitation to come and see. Maybe, maybe there's been a lot of waiting around, waiting timidly, <laughs> waiting 
tiredly for Jesus to do something. Um, looking for, you know, just like sitting in that place of comfort and Jesus is saying, no, I want you to actively seek me. Come, come, come and see. Or maybe some of you this morning relate to Andrew and you're like, you've heard about Jesus, you know of Jesus, but you've never followed him. Maybe you're spiritually hungry. Maybe you're curious this morning. I think the invitation is come and see. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to believe everything. You don't have to be all in right now. Just come and see. That's the invitation.